coming up on Just Elders Podcast. And the people that they want are people that are going to sit there for as long as possible. They will not give you all of the cool stuff if you come down, slap some money on the table, play two hands and leave. Because their odds aren't the same in that this scenario. They need you just to sit. Mm-hmm. That's the same way I would argue the entrepreneurs need, that, like that in terms of the, how they, whoever the forces are that are working against you, right. they need you to just sit and chill and wait and do a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And you'll look up and it's like, wow, I don't lost a lot of money, but you did it by a thousand cuts. Right. So press press at some point. I, I look, I don't know if it's tomorrow. I don't know if it's next year, but like at some point, so, press the table. First time I seen you press heavy was when 2019, um, when Paul just enters the picture. Ready? Born ready. Daddy, what's a will? Welcome to the weekend. It's time for your favorite podcast, your favorite podcast. Hey, we're going to talk about legacy today. Jay Z preaching. <laughs> if you're on YouTube, you know the vibes. Rock with me. I'm trying to monetize. Those times are now back. It's now called Afrotech. Generational wealth, that's the key. My parents ain't half shit, so that shit started with me. Oh, we got to do it right there. What's up, family? You tuned to the Just Elders podcast, the hottest podcast to ever hit the airwaves. Super excited. We're about to record the greatest episode we have ever recorded. I say it every time, and I mean it every single time. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. I hope y'all enjoyed y'all week. It's been a good one for me. A lot of great things happening, man, but I am not going to delay the people. I got a guest that I've been waiting on for a long time. We've been trying to do this for about a minute. A little bit. A minute. And um, you've heard me talk about this brother um, on past episodes. You heard me talk about this brother business. He's a friend. He's a brother. He's a leader. Uh, someone who I respect, and I can't wait for this conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Ryan Wilson. What's up, bro? I appreciate you. I What's appreciate up, bro? Man, I'm looking forward to this. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. Like, this has been a, a, a long due conversation. Uh, we don't already had the podcast over the phone, uh, over the text. So now it's time to bring it to the public ways and really just have it. Uh, for my audience that don't know, man, uh, Ryan Wilson, CEO, co-founder of The Gathering Spot. Uh, the Gathering Spot is a cultural gem. Pun intended. Um, the gathering spot is something that is not only important in Atlanta, but across the country, but specifically DC, LA, um, a place where we can be ourselves and do it. And you would, it's your brainchild. Um, we came into Jay Z legacy and I want to start there. I want to start with how Ryan was brought up. Um, recently, uh, I just got a copy of your dad's book. Mm. I'm saying the power to sh- shout out to uh, Mr. Mark Wilson. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> man, I want to hear about how were you brought up, man? Like, your ch- what was your childhood like? I ain't talking about college. I done heard <laughs> Georgetown. I done heard all of that. I want to hear 
Ryan Wilson as a kid, middle school, I think that's the important development process yeah. place. What was your childhood like? Man, I appreciate this question. So, again, I've given the, the college. I don't heard that shit. Yeah, we ain't I, getting none of that on this evening. <laughs> no, I like, but no, growing up, so a lot of people don't know this. I, uh, I moved a lot growing up, right? So I was born in L.A., and we lived in a lot of different places. My dad kept getting promoted. He was working at this company down in Bradstreet. And so L.A. to Jersey, Jersey to North Carolina. We went to Atlanta. Then we left Atlanta. Like, we had a bunch of stops. Right. And... It, what's interesting looking back on it is that, like, I really appreciate the fact that I got to experience a lot of different corners of the, of the country. So my, my dad is from Fort Smith, Arkansas. Okay. So I, we would spend a lot of time there. And then my mom is from basically D- Dayton, Ohio, Xenia um, in Ohio. And it, it, two different worlds, right? So my dad, small southern town. My mom, um, and so my grandfather was a pastor. So I come from a long line of pastors coming out of the AME church right. on my mom's side. But I, I grew up, man, with, with my parents really working hard to expose us to everything that they could. Right. I mean, we we were those kids that, like, if my parents showed up somewhere, their kids were with them. And I never knew that I was learning through that process. Nice. But I was. Right? And so I learned pretty early on and developed a passion for politics and for people and for um, the law, right? I wanted to be a lawyer growing up. That was the the goal. If you would have asked fifteen year old me what what I was going to do, I was going to tell you I was going to be a yeah, lawyer. lawyer. And I, I wanted to be a civil rights lawyer. That that for me was I didn't see like being a pastor like what I saw in my family. I, that didn't feel like that was about to be my thing. But um, I felt like I was going to be able to be a good lawyer. So I was practicing the whole the whole time, mock trial and all. I did all the stuff. So did you? Uh, I grew up. People that listen to podcasts know I grew up around white people. Did you grow up, like, what was your, like, schools? Were you in white schools, black schools? Like, what was your, I grew up in a white experience, you could say that. Yeah, that's it, <laughs> funny. Um, a little bit of both, but down the stretch, I went to school with a lot of white people, okay. which it um it it changed me in a lot of ways, right? Like, a lot of the stuff that I'm I'm really passionate about now comes out of being in environments where I did not feel comfortable at all. I'm trying to tell you, I am anti- Black geniuses in white private schools, me personally, because of my experience. I've been there. It was and, tough, man. Like, it was it was a tough – and what's crazy about it is that, like, academically – I would have told you then. Academically, I knew I was being prepared, mm. right? Like, I knew that it, like, pound for pound – like, I, I went to Georgetown for undergrad. By the time I got to, to undergrad, people were talking about homework and stuff. I was like, this is not – like, I'm not worried about any of this academic stuff. All right. The problem was like when it came to prom, when it was time for homecoming. And I, look, 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 look. Dude, is there a picture of Ryan with a white girl at prom? Nah, actually. Nah, there, nah. I said there's nah. one of elders out here. It's, there's nah, a homecoming. Nah, nah, there's, nah. there's one. Nah. There's one. You tell that story if now. If they would have nah. taken my dashiki away, nah. they would find my 11th grade year. Ele- I, t- <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> I took. Uh, I don't even know her last name, Shay. White girl named Shay. But it was a white girl that used to be hanging around with black girls. But say you could you could tell that story and just say Shay, we would have looked at Yeah, look. Shay, Shay but when I ain't gonna lie though, when I showed up, Shay said to meet her at her friend's house, it's a picture of me with literally six white couples 
No, so no, I had that picture exists. That picture for me exists. Because there was like, no, I mean, it, it feels sad. It feels cr- I haven't thought about this stuff in a long time. No, like there was, um, there was, it was one, I'm trying to think. Goodness gracious. I, I went to, I went to most of the homecomings with, her name was Shannon. Mm. And she was the only other black girl that was like around my, my time and that like where it made sense. Mm. Where she was, she was available to, to go uh, with me. Shout out to Shannon. Shannon she's, she's, I haven't talked to her. Maybe she's we all had one of those. But, but like, I was, lost mine to Chance. Fuck <laughs> you, Chance. <laughs> no, no, no. So Shannon went, and then uh, at one point, I was going. She didn't go to my school. We were going to. Um, I was going. I, I, I showed up at a lot of. Like I was at Westlake's prom at one point. I was showing up at a couple different proms. But, okay. But no, I didn't. I no, it was an interesting experience, man. I I, uh, I learned through all of that that like advocacy, that like I was going to spend my my time professionally, not certainly working to try to address a lot of the things that I saw happening in my high school that uh, it just it didn't it didn't sit right. What, what's the one thing you saw when you were young that like still sticks with you? Like any age when you were young that kind of sparked that, like you said. I'm sure. I mean, a lot of things, man, like walking into a room, walking to an auditorium and being like, there's 10 black folks in here. That, that'll do it for you real quick. You walk in the room. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know. And then it's always that one, like, folk that be trying to be, they ain't bold enough to say nothing, but you know, they're trying to be funny. Like for me. It just, it just wasn't, it wasn't comfortable, right? Like, and I, I was, I was, I would have very open about it. Like back then it wasn't like a, I was telling, and I was doing things too, because I mean, like I, I started the first Young Democrats chapter at a at my high school that was very controversial. Um, I was talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion way back, way back then. There was this conference called uh, SDLC that uh, existed; it still exists. I was going to these diversity conferences. Like I was really in high school trying to push my, my okay. yeah. No, like it was like we're not, we're not gonna go out not not fighting, right? So it was uncomfortable, but like I was really determined that the next generation. And and what's crazy about my high school now, if you go back, it's a very I don't even recognize that school. Mine too, but it's because they start recruiting athletes. And it even it's not even I mean, there's a little bit of that going on, but like, no, it's just like there's just black kids. And some of this too is like the the demographics have changed a little bit. But like mm-hmm. walking through those hallways now, I'm like, this doesn't seem like the same place because it was rough. Yeah, I ain't even go back to my high school. Like like I went back one time. And I was like, yeah, I'll never do that shit again. Yeah, and, it's, it's, and, it's still the same. Yeah, Drico, Drico, <laughs> the only reason I went back, I was going back with him once. I'm like, fuck that. I ain't never nah, going back. I here. went back. I was the commencement speaker a couple years ago. I'm mm-hmm. on the, I'm on the like, Hall of, oh, yeah, Hall yeah, yeah. of Fame joint for the I'm definitely not on that on my school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm probably in the Hall I of mean, reunion time is coming up, right? Yeah. couple years, like, is that 20 nah, years? See, see, that, see, that don't count for me because I, I literally left there. I didn't graduate. I ended up going to Faith. I left Athens Christian School mm. and went to Faith Academy. And Faith Academy is like a Christian home school. Oh, like, man. don't nobody know where nobody at. Like, mm-hmm. we don't know. What the fuck? I'm probably on their Hall of Fame. Like, so, so let me ask you this, because, like, a lot of times you get put in those schools because your parents, right? Like, your parents are the ones that move to the area. You don't have no say-so. But did they prepare you? Like, was there something that your dad said? Like, look, when you go in here, you know, like, what did they say to you to keep you? 
Because sometimes you can go to that and kind of succumb to it. Like some of those kids go in there and it's, you know, kind of hard to see a, a way to fight. Yeah, no, true. It, it, so. it was a direct conversation. Like this mm. is, it, I felt this way when I went to college. So he knew what was up. Like he knew you were going to go to this school and he didn't try to sugarcoat it. You know, some parents, nah, that seems to that school and they make it seem like, mine. just get it. No, nah, it was, it was, mine. It was, no, it was, it was a, it my, was a, <laughs> sorry. My mama went in there like MLK, <laughs> black boys and black girls eating lunch. Oh, nah. <laughs> like, it was, no, nah, like my, my church was around the corner, Turner yeah. Chapel, AME. So I, I was in a black church. Okay, yeah, you black. And I went. You black. Yeah, AME, boy, you go to AME church <laughs> off the rip. Oh, no, it was, no, nah, it was like, yeah. That was where I was at every Sunday. And my school, like, it was a business trip for me. That, and that's how it was discussed. Like, it was discussed, like, hey, you're going, like, this is the best ec- academic environment for you. Yeah. And I treated it as, as such. Like, I, again, I, if you would have pulled up on me at 15, I would have been able to tell you, hey, listen, this is not, like, the most comfortable thing for me socially. But academically, it's the best place that I can be in right now. So why leave there and not go to HBCU? So I applied to two schools. Uh, my mom went to Howard, and I applied to Howard and Georgetown. And I w- my dad took me up to D.C. for a trip. Mm-hmm. I went to Howard for the tour. I went to Georgetown for a tour. And I liked the experience when I was at Georgetown. And I, I got into both, right? Sat down at the at the kitchen table and talked about like what I wanted to. All right. And the basic conclusion was, look, Howard is Howard is there, like, and I won't have the full Howard experience. And I don't nobody. I didn't go to Howard, but like that's not what I'm. Stay in the I'm comments saying. right now. Yeah, yeah, no, relax, relax. But I made a decision that at that point in my life that. I thought Georgetown was a good opportunity for me. And like, and like there was other stuff happening. Like if you remember final four was in 2007, Georgetown was in, that's the last time Georgetown basketball was really mm, good. Okay. It was here in Atlanta. Right. So I went to the final, four. it felt like things were like this Georgetown thing could, could it was make a sense. That's, that's how it felt. Right. And so I, um, I made the decision to to go, and I'm grateful that I did. Right. Look, I, I, I say you met two of your life partner. You met your yeah. wife, you yeah. met TK. Like, no, like, I'm I, no, I'm Georgetown, that Hoy Saxon. Like I'm, yes, mm. I met my wife. I met my business partner, best friends in the world, and like I had uh, to the extent that you can have it at a PWI, a very black experience. Mm. Like if I look at all of my friends and everything that we did while I was on campus, right, it was black stuff. Right, it was with black people. Right, I, I was I continued that same advocacy that I was talking about in high school while I was at Georgetown. So. For me, it was the best choice. I think the the most important thing is that we have options. Right. And I had real options on the table. I had, I had two great offers to go to school. I made a choice. I got a que- another question about childhood because I know um, you got a sister. Yep. Right. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence. You know what I'm saying? You're a very successful brother. I know your sister has a, a company. I mean, I'm, I'm in. I'm yep. in. I mean, very successful company. What what were the business conversations? What did that look like at the table coming up with your dad, your mom? And and I want to hear about your mom, too. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I hear about your so, dad a lot. So my, I, I appreciate you asking that because my parents worked together, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, like, co-ran the company, right, the entire time. So, like, what I saw growing up with my parents working together. Now, that's 
anybody that's been in any long-term relationship, that's hard, right? I mean, they, every single day, every decision, I mean, scaling these companies, I mean, to pretty big, going pretty big heights. Right. Um, so, no, my mom deserves a, a, a tremendous half the credit, right, for anything that happened with uh, the businesses. My sister and I, look, again, man, it, it's it's exposure, right? I can't say that it was like, you know, we had, like, Sunday night sessions where we would learn about business. We just learned and talking just watching. about watching and having conversations like having, you know, something would happen. And like my dad would explain what the situation was like. This is a silly example. But I remember when we um, we were just getting started with TGS. We were in the car uh, with TK and I were in the car with a couple members of our team. And they uh, I left a voicemail for somebody and I was like. This is again. This is Ryan Wilson. My number is da 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 da. I was like again da 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 da. And they were like, "Why did you say your 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 number twice?" And I never thought about it before. But like, I would sat in the car with my dad for years, and every time he left a voicemail for somebody, he would say his name and he would say his number twice so they could write it down. So like, I learned about business just like being around. I can I can understand. My first contract was me removing my dad logo from his. And literally just changing the words. Like, yeah, like I yeah. learned so much just by, and I tell people that all the time on podcast. My dad taught me everything I know about entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Just through watching him do it. Absolutely. So, yeah. like, I definitely get that. Um, Expose your kids, though. Like, like if you are a person that, like, has the ability to show your kids something, like, show it to them. Like, you, you, you have that responsibility as far as I'm concerned. I, it's been huge for me. Like, there's so many situations where it'd be like, well, how did you know to do a huddle? I'm like, oh, every time I saw a situation happen in my parents' company, like he would call a huddle, and like that's what you do in a when you got a problem, you call a huddle. like. I, I learned a lot just just watching. Greatest lesson your dad ever taught you. I talk about this all the time. I mean, we had a really critical moment early at TGS where I was starting to get that feeling like it was impossible. There's something that you should know about my dad. He has an incredible amount of optimism. Like he's an entrepreneur's entrepreneur. Like he has an incredible amount of optimism. He has an incredible risk tolerance, like stuff that would be bothering folks for real. Yeah. I like that risk tolerance. His risk tolerance is off the charts. Like is he can with the best of them, right. like kitchens, hot fire everywhere, chilling, right. not sweating. And like, he really knows how to stay focused on like, what is the thing that we are trying to accomplish circumstances circumstance that's happening right that's, we can't really control that at this point right. we can control like what we're going to do to get out of it right and he always would, would preach that but he he never let us settle for like the small version of whatever we were trying to accomplish and I, i've said this quote before um but it's, it was pivotal for me he was like look son I, son small ideas will keep you small you have to fight for the best possible version of your idea because you know we get that advice early on a lot of times where it's like oh just take the bite size like you don't need 25,000 square feet. Just do 2,500 square feet and see people like it. Right. And he's always been like, hey, look. Go be it. Go if, it's a, if it's supposed to be 25,000, like it's supposed to be. I mean, I watched my parents one year. Their company was doing $25 million in revenue. And they got a couple of big contracts that took revenue to $100 million. Now, okay, so I just talked about that looking at it like as history. Right. But when you're in the middle of that, Right. When that contract comes in, most people would say, oh, well, we can't grow that fast. That's too quick. Right. My dad was like, 
absolutely not. We're going to have to figure out a way to fulfill this contract. And there was a, that meant more space. That meant hiring a ton of people. It meant like all you the things. Scaling in the major yeah, way. no, like, imme- like immediately, right? Where again, most people would have looked at that situation and been like, ah, revenue potential is there, but like, I'm just not, I'm just not ready yet. Right. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have that gene. Like the, I'm not ready yet, Gene. He doesn't. Right. He doesn't live. The, he doesn't live like that. So, because you mentioned your father working at uh, Dun and Bradstreet, but has your earliest memory always been your father being an entrepreneur? No, I remember him working at Dun and Bradstreet. So, I remember being at Dun and Bradstreet. So, do you remember the transition from working to entrepreneur? There was and, two people in my basement, and I remember yeah. he was like, "I'm sorry." So, this is what happened. I'm about to quit, uh, son. Well, yeah, truly. I mean, what <laughs> happened was so. My, my dad was running Dun & Bradstreet's call centers. Right? So if you called in and you needed to talk to them, he was running several of the call centers for them. Mm-hmm. And at that time, this still happens a little bit, but at that time they started to outsource a lot of that work overseas. Yeah. But then there was this this push to try to bring it back to the U.S. Yeah, yeah. And so what he, what he said to DMB at the time was he was like, look, I, I'm running your call centers. I will go start a company and I want to run – I want – Dun and Bradstreet to be one of my clients. They gave him like 20 seats to start out. Right. So I remember the first two people in the basement. I remember two turning into 10. I remember the first 20. I mean, I was there first training class. Like I remember mm-hmm. every single step along the, the way. I, I remember when the first building opened. I remember when the other side of it opened. I mean, I I, I mean, I was in middle school. Like it wasn't, this wasn't. So you saw it. So. Yeah, I saw it. Like I, I, I saw it and remembered. It wasn't like something that was. How wow. present was he in the process of building it as far as like Showing up the game, showing up to school, picking you up. That's another place where my parents are cold. Like he would, he would figure. I don't. I don't even know how he was doing this, but like he was showing up. Mm-hmm. Like I, I played sports and had stuff, and like he would. I mean, what you played? Yeah. I played everything growing up. I played basketball, mostly basketball. Basketball. Uh, I can't claim cold no more. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, don't cap, don't cap nah, on the mic now. There's too many cameras here. Okay, okay. At the so time, at the time was I, I was solid at the time. I don't know if the competition was look, much. I had look, good, good, good <laughs> enough for you to put down some business and come watch. Because you know, as entrepreneurs, <laughs> you know, I, was, I was going to school with a bunch of white kids. I was like, oh, I was great. Fucking Will Smith and yeah. his <laughs> Fresh yeah, right. <laughs> but like, I, I was realistic though. Like, yeah. you know, I went to the church and we. Play, it was I knew, nigga. Yeah, I knew. I, like, that's I, what happened. I knew bro. Where I was. Like, See, that's what happened. That's when white boys were still scared of you on the court. They don't do that no more. Right. <laughs> white boys, yeah, that's that before they were creating jokages. <laughs> you know what I'm nah, saying? I, mm. They weren't creating no type of white boy back then. No, I, so I, but I can't. I can't claim that I. But I, I, I grew so up playing a lot of things. I play golf too. But he still showed up. So that's what's up. You still, are you still golf now? I'm getting back to it. Yeah, man. I'm literally about to go get a pair of gloves. I'm getting back to it. Gloves. Like, 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 do it. I mean, I, I'm, my dad likes playing golf and that's important to me. I, when I moved to DC, I stopped playing. Okay. Like, but you was a child prodigy, like, you know, not prodigy. I was, I was cold at golf. Like, I could play golf. Okay. It was, I mean, that was like prime Tiger Woods time. Like, it was right. like, you know, it was I something was, to look at. No, nah, I was playing golf. Like, it was, I mean, competitively, I, I, I went pretty far. That's what's up. We always ask that. Keith's a dad, you know, uh, Troy dad, all of us dads around here. I got, you know, I'm on my eighth set of stepkids. So, <laughs> like, we are dads. So we like the dad-father conversation. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. The question I do have, we always ask this. Is there a moment or what moment 
where there was, you felt like your dad missed the mark. Like you brought something to him and what you needed from him at that time, he just kind of missed the mark. I, I felt like he missed the mark then. I understand it now. Right, so, we all come to that. So I want to hear the thing. We all come to that now. And it was at the beginning of TGS. Mm-hmm, so okay. look, it wasn't it wasn't going great. Like there wasn't you, know, you read these articles where it's like, oh, like, you know, a company raised a bunch of money, they ready to go. And I'm like, hey, where's our like where's our bunch of money ready to like this ain't it was a little scrappy. Like it was, mm-hmm. you know, we catching bills. I don't know. It was it was rough. And I remember going to him and <laughs> He was like, I mean, yeah. And I'm like, what you mean? Yeah, like this is. This is, this is, this is. Hey, look, they did hit him with that. Damn. I mean, yeah, no, it was just like, it was just like, bet. And then I remember a couple weeks later, um, he was like, you, uh, like, what are you paying yourself? And I was like, oh, I mean, we can't afford to pay ourselves anything. We're paying ourselves nothing. And he was like, huh? And I remember being like, yo, like, this is, what, like, what sort of, yeah. I was like, what sort of Jedi mind trick? And he was just like, well, like, son, fundamentally, like, a business has to care for its expenses. Like, it's like a person. Like, you have to care for yourself. Right. You can't, and, you know, at the time, like, he knew I was about to get married. And he was like, so, like, you don't pay yourself anything? And I remember being like, yo, like, how is this dude sitting here telling me, like, what? And I, like, I remember I got off the phone and I cried. Like, I, like. I was like crying, like what? Like I'm, I'm. I thought I was doing the like, grind it out, be hardcore, right, like don't. Right. And he was just like, nah, like you don't pay like nothing. And I felt like he was missing the like the mark, yeah. missing the. I'm like, yo, this is like I'm doing the doing the work. I'm yeah, doing the yeah, work. Yeah. I'm making the sacrifice. I'm, sac- I'm hungry. You know? Looking back on it though, his point, which I agree with, is that. You've got to figure out how to make the business work. And going to your, back to your question about basketball games and him being present, he knew that, like, I mean, I you know, I started the company when I was in my 20s. Right. My dad was in his 40s. Mm. So we're like, mm. we're like little little humans that need stuff. Right. <laughs> like, and yeah. so what he was trying to say to me was just like, yo, you got to get out of that stage fast because, yes, it's cool to have a business and it's cool to grind it out and do all, you know, the hustle stuff. But like, you got to take care of your family. Right, and you got to figure out a way to get get there quickly. But at the time, I was like, "Bro, like that's very hurtful. <laughs> like, what are you what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I'm." But no, nah, I I I um now when I talk to people about it, it's like, hey, you can't forget yourself in the business. That doesn't mean that you can you know take more out of the business than what the business can can bear. Right. But at the same time, like, if you're not calculating you in it, I mean, are you doing it? Right. Right. And um. You know, I, I, I shoot, we didn't pay ourselves some or anything for two years. So, like, I took me a long time to learn the lesson. I was my wife. Shout out to my wife, Cassandra. Um, boy, yeah, boy, always, always gonna be the always gonna be I'm, old lady. So, like, so, you know, you know, boy, I want to yeah. talk about that because be lady. when did you meet her in college? What year? Sophomore. Sophomore year. When did you? What year did you come up with the uh, gather spot? I was in law school. So you was so you out of grad school. I'm, 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 so yeah, you're in, we've been together by the time I came up with TGS, called four years. Four years already, because you know there's this whole thought process where you know it takes a special woman to build with an entrepreneur. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like yes. you know when you building the process, especially when you ain't paying yourself. Like 
Talk about that. Shout out to Cassandra. Yo, I see yo, you. Like yo, that. yo. So this is the thing though. And she, she, boy, you can't really tell a real story about TGS and not talk about my wife, because what, what, cat, go back, it's a rewind in time. And before you had that, did she know entrepreneurship before you? No. Okay. No. So that's that's another. No. So thing. so and, and so with 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 um the example that she saw. So a quick quick detour here. Her father is the type of father that everyone should salute, and it like he took care of his family. Her mom did too, but like they they um my wife's from New York, so they moved out to Long Island at one point. Mm-hmm. Family grew a little bit more space. That meant though, every single day, her dad took an hour train in and an hour train out. Mm, one of those. He, he is a career. He's worked at the same company for when he found, as I understand the story, when he found out that uh, she was coming, she's the oldest child. He went and found a job and he has been at that company taking care of his family ever since. So what she came from was the tradition of like stability, men, like men you have take, a, job, men, a job, you take care of everything, men yeah. take care of yeah. their family. Like she mm-hmm. comes out of like, it, you know, and it, it's like, like you take care of your family right. and, and it ain't necessarily about what you're most passionate about. It ain't, it's about you do what's necessary to put food <laughs> on the table. Right. And, <laughs> and, 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 and work and you and, working not no, just work. a yeah, no. couple hours now. Nah, what you, what you doing at home? Yeah. No, no, no. Like work, work. Yeah. Right. So like, so, so that's her, that's her tradition. Yeah. You know, coming out of middle school for me, I've seen this more entrepreneurial, you know, it's, it's been a different situation <laughs> to your question. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know how to really describe it, it, I don't know how to describe it, man. It was um the just the grind. I don't know how to describe it. Because it, it, I don't want to make it sound like it was bad. It wasn't bad. It just was. Well, let me let me say not bad, but you know you're building a company, right? So boom, you're building one in the morning, two in the morning, phone going off. You know, you know fires to put out, and you know your old lady's there and. Yeah. You know, you, you still got to kind of find time while you're being talking to yeah. TK. What yeah. are you talking to her? No, no. So th- this is why she deserves a ton of <laughs> this is why she deserves a ton of credit, man. Because so she meets me. I was very involved in undergrad. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. I won the leadership award. Like Georgetown mm-hmm. gives one award a year to a senior. It's the highest honor you could receive. I think I'm like the second black person ever. Cool. And, and, black and like, like, so. Man, so like I like. I was, you know, and at that time I wanted to be a lawyer. So I went from Georgetown undergrad to Georgetown law. And so what she thinks she's signing up for is a lawyer. lawyer. Between 1L and 2L, I'm like, hey, and this is to everybody, but like, you know, we we serious at this point. We've been together a long time. Hey, I don't, I don't want to practice law. I remember like, I was working at this firm in Buckhead and I called her after work one day and I was like, hey, look, uh-huh. I don't know. It's not feeling. It's not feeling like my life. Like what now. firm you was at? Uh, <laughs> he deserves a shout out too. My first, person that gave me my first job was Ernest Greer okay. at Greenberg Truck. Um, he uh, so I worked. I worked right there in Buckhead, and it was the same summer that George Zimmer was on trial for Trayvon Martin's case. It was summer 2013, okay. and I started getting the idea for TGS. I was sending emails to folks, sending emails to TK. 
And I called her and was like, hey, look, I have a real idea and I'm a growing passion for making this place happen. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, you go back to her seat. I'm two years away at this point from graduating from law school, mm-hmm. from a top 14 law school. And I'm putting in work with you. And, and, and then this dude is calling me talking about he wants to be a, a what? Idea. And then fast forward. So I graduated from law school. Okay, so you still end up graduating. Yeah, I graduated. Okay. Yeah, I graduated from law school. She wasn't gonna put up with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, ain't gonna do both. <laughs> graduated from law school, and she agreed to move to Atlanta. We were engaged at that point to be married. We got engaged right before we moved here, and that's when all the shenanigans started. So my wife's a nurse by training, so she went from at that time the average job coming out of law school if you worked at a firm was like 160k. Mm-hmm. So it went from. 160K basically guaranteed right. to this entrepreneur who makes no money. Potential. And who, at that time, every single, I, I, tr- I remember this day, she was like, hey, what do you want to eat? And I was like, me? I just like, I'm just here. I make, I can't, I'm not contributing nothing. Like, I was not, she, she made it possible for, us to survive. So she held you down financially? Thousand percent. Dang. Thousand percent. You I, one I, of them niggas? I was absolutely. <laughs> I was I was one of them. Now, now it how, was she was it was pure potential, right? And like you one of them niggas we be talking about on social media. Fifty percent uh, ass uh, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would put fifty percent up. I was I was I was just there. Like she That's she crazy. she paid for now, right, I, I no cap now. No help from daddy, no help from nobody. Yo, I'm telling you, we were about to get married. Right, so like, yeah, it was. She, she, we lived in Midtown. Come on, in a in a um, this this it had no doors. It was like a loft, and oh, she yeah. she was a nurse and she worked at night. Well, let me ask you this: not daddy's money, right? But like, did you feel a little entitled? Because you know, there's entitlement when you see money in the house. Did you ever have any entitlement, or how did they squash that entitlement? So let's go back to the story, right? Like, like if you go back in what I. The business started when I was in middle school, so right? Know. It started in middle school. Mm-hmm. So I, look, don't, don't don't get me wrong here. I never, I did not grow up wondering where my next meal was going to come from. Yeah, we did. I, we, it wasn't, we it wasn't that. none of that. We did that. Like, yeah. I, ain't, I ain't saying that. We think you saying you Oliver Twist. No, 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 no. no. But, but see, I think it's important though because I think you know there's people who like parents sacrifice a lot and and really work to facilitate. A very, a very specific type of experience, right. mm-hmm. and then they get into a seat like this, and are like, "Oh yeah, you know, I got it. Like, you know, I that's not my story. Mm-hmm. Like, like I knew that like I had food. Thank God, mm-hmm. I knew that clothes were there. I knew that like the light. Like, I can't. I'm not. That's not my testimony. We could do mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. yeah. No. Like I like I and I like more than anything. I appreciate that. I think a quick sidebar here. I think the thing that we have to stop doing as a community is shaming people. With money, come on, man. It's not. It's not even with money. It's that like we shame people where we we glorify folks that work really, really hard, right? Super, super hard. And then when the fruits of that labor are produced anywhere, all of a sudden we like start pointing at them, being like, like how, why? You didn't do this. And it's like, let let me just tell you. Let me be very clear right now. Let's get this on the record in 2024. Come on. The way that I'm working right now. If you don't think I'm going to try to do everything for my children, every advantage, every phone call I can make, every everything, like, mm-hmm. like just hear me very clearly. I'm doing it all like every single and you can call them 
like silver spoon kit. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I work hard every single day. Right. Like, I, absolutely. Like, like you no, got a no. vice president, baby. No. <laughs> Listen, and so there's a difference, right, between your kids not working, being lazy, being disrespectful to people, mm-hmm. right? Like those qualities are terrible qualities. Right. But if you wake up every single day to try to give your kids the best life that they can have, I, you should have no shame that if you're able to accomplish some bit of that. Right. Like, shout out to you. Right. And if you're one of the beneficiaries of that process, you should have the respect to say, absolutely, that was what I was able to benefit from. And thank God my parents were willing to put in that that time and sacrifice and figured out a way, despite the odds, to make it happen. So I'm not, I can't, I, we have to I like. I agree, uh, I agree with you 100% of that. Uh, like, that's a, stop. It's, yeah. a, it's something that happens in our community uh, for lack of understanding. Uh, jealousy for whatever reason, we definitely got to and, and stop the cap because if you had it, you would do the same thing. If your parents yeah, would have set it up for you, you would do the same thing. I mean, I feel like that's the goal when you have children. It's like, okay, what did my parents do for me? And then can I up it the next level? Yeah, you know, and, even and if like, it's just again, a small yes, thing. Yeah, but, and our job as parents is to make sure that our kids are good people. Yeah, that they take care of people. That mm-hmm. they like that they take care of their community. Right, like. Our job is to make sure that fundamentally when they enter into the world, that they're solid folks. Our job is not to sit there and be like, oh, nah, well, like, because I figured out how to get you a good education, now struggle. Yeah. yeah. No, I I don't want my kids to... I, I don't want my kids to struggle. And that's, got, the, but see, that's the other side because you do have parents who want to see their kids struggle because no, I had to get it, so you kind of got to get right. it. There's a difference, though. There's a difference between teaching your kids to be resilient and how to overcome different circumstances. Mm-hmm. That's a skill. That's a thing that can be like taught. Right. Big difference between that world and turning around and being like, I'm going to act as if all of the things, all of the resources that I have, all of those things don't exist mm. just because. Like, I, I don't understand the purpose of the work. Right. I meet yeah. people for a living, right? If you don't think I'm going to call some of those people when it's time for an internship, yeah. when it's time to get a job, like, y'all, yeah. y'all are crazy. Yeah. Like, I'm absolutely calling them. And, like, you're never going to shame me about that. Like, yeah. I, I will never feel any bit, you know, that's unfair. Maybe it is. I will concede that. Maybe it is unfair. Right. Maybe it is. But at the same time. If I don't, if, if I'm, if, it's, it's like, it's like playing spades and having the books and not playing them and, and, not, like, and, and not playing your joker and just, and just reneging because like, cause it, cause it feels good. Like reneging I'm on not, the spade. No, I mean, come on. If you get, if you get a handful yeah, of spades, yeah, yeah. man, I'm slapping them bitches on the table proudly. Every yeah, single one. Yeah. I'm slapping yeah, all of them. I, like, I, 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 and I'm trying, and, and I'm going to try to set you like immediately. Right. This, this is not like. We got to stop. There's a couple things that I think are going on right now that like we have to stop just as a community having the discussion the way that we're having it because right. it's leading people to start to do very strange things because now they got to prove how tough and strong and whatever they are when it's like, yo, call you can you can make a whatever narrative that you want. I'm telling you what mm-hmm. happened, right? Mm-hmm. My parents started a company when I was in middle school. I saw that company grow and be successful. But if you're asking me, did I like was was I during during those years as the company was growing? Right. Did I did I move around like like some super super super? I was an advantaged kid. Yes, yeah. I went to a good school, but like it wasn't like that. I knew I had to work. Right. I knew that the, the responsibility that I had was 
We're going to put you in the best possible position, and then you're going to have to go get to work. You got to do it on your own. How are you going to work? How did your uh, parents stay grounded with that kind of scale? Because you said you've seen this scale 20 to 100 million, but it sounds like your parents are still grounded and passed it on. How do they stay grounded? You heard heard the daddy in his book, steady long, steady wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just, my dad dad was always very realistic about the same way that it came in, it could go. Mm. Right? And so, Mm. like, we're all, we all should just be be very fortunate to be whatever now is, if now is good. We should just be excited and grateful that that's what it is, but like, it could go the other way. Mm. Right? Like, it could Mm. always go the other way. So, and, and you, people are going to remember who you were when it was good. Right. And and I'm I'm paranoid about that. Like I, I I do not ever want to be the person I'm going to treat you the same in whatever season I'm in, because what you're not going to ever say about me was that when it was good, I treated you terribly. Right. And then now when it's bad, that's when people want to start stomping, stomping on, you. on your ass. Yeah. Like, no. Nah, and that might come anyway. But like it wasn't it's not going to be because you got a bunch of things that I, I I'm not going to contribute to it. Like I mean, so nah, we, we knew we knew that we were. It was. I get we're, that. we're people of faith. Like it was. It was. We were very mm. fortunate. We were blessed mm. that the business had a shot. Most businesses don't make it, and so if you realize that, like you can keep yourself together. Mm. I get I that. that. I so that. shout out to your wife. Uh, any advice? Give me just your top best advice for entrepreneurs that are in a relationship. Did you have kids at the time with her? No. All right. So no kids in a relationship. Just the best advice. To keep that woman happy, especially if she doesn't come from entrepreneurship. With any relationship, open communication. You got to tell folks where you are, like where you are. And then this is very simple, but you have to do the things that you said that you were going to do. Full stop. You have to be consistent. Mm -hmm. Now, the business may be inconsistent. You may be grinding there, but like you have to be consistent. You have to show up. You say you're going to go to dinner on Thursday, like show up at dinner on Thursday. You're going to tell them people you can't come and like figure that out. Right. So consistency is key. And you have to also understand from their seat that like they don't it's they don't have full information. Right. They don't know everything that's going on each and every day. So like you've got to overly communicate mm. the wins and the losses so that they can try to get a, some sense of what's going on. But don't have, expect the person to have empathy or, or sympathy for you if you're not saying anything. So, so like, like you got to talk. So I get over communicate. I get explain the wins and the losses. Do you over communicate the losses, even if you know that might shake and waver her security in you? I was was about to ask that. If you're, if this is a partnership, if this is a a relationship that you're seriously about to like, this is a life partner. I'm just saying, you ain't gotta say air like, come on, I might just. I mean, there's a way to, there's a way to 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 frame anything, right? But like, do I think that you should give them? I just lost a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, what? Look, and this is how I'm gonna go. This is what I'm gonna do next. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, like, you're not, you're not in the right yeah. situation if the if you say that if you're genuinely trying, right? You're genuinely making the best decision that you can from the place that you're at, right? If you're in a like a real relationship, that person should have some bit of interest in helping you to try to figure out right. what happens next, good or bad. Mm. Right, but I mean, I'll say, I also say that's a gem. I know. I also some bros about to break up with a lady. No, well, it is very close to Valentine's Day. You know, watch yourself. Needed us. reason. I watched that interview. Nah, I'll say this though too. 
I, and I, I don't remember where I read this, but I think it's true. Entrepreneurs are talked about as being like very risky people, like like, like having like yeah. high risk tolerance. But if you really look at it, most entrepreneurs, they allocate their risk disproportionately in the business. But most of the rest of their life is actually not that risky. Mm. Right. Like and so you because you, you can't have a risk, especially during a sensitive time in a business. You can't have risk everywhere. Right. Right? I used to tell people all the time, like being married throughout this journey, like gave me an incredible amount of, of focus. Right. I didn't wake up in the morning sending 10 good morning text messages and trying to balance. I ain't, I ain't have all that going on. Like, you know, that's energy though, bro. You know I, how I, that I'm just saying, go. but like, if you've got to make the real. business successful, I mean, this is the truth. Like, if you got to make the business successful, and you're working, and you, and you, we all know the energy that it takes mm-hmm. to make that happen. It is very difficult to be doing that, and at the same time, have another full time job of trying to entertain ten other people in a very unserious way. Right. Right. So, like, you know, if that's you, no judgment here. Just like, it is very difficult to balance and 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 serve that many institutions. Hey, with, like Transla- <laughs> translation. If you want to grow, mm. let the hoes go. I like really like this truth. At a, at a certain point, look, I'm not. <laughs> I get this stage it in is. life. I remember when I did it back in 2009. <laughs> I just I just remember my dad saying that to me, like my dad, because he, you know. We didn't grow up like that. So my dad, let me ask the most, the most profound question. He looks at Keith. He says, why you can't just have one? Why you can't have one? I, but, but, but I was like, like, I was in college. I was like, <laughs> I don't, you know, that's a profound question. That, that, yeah, you're right. And Versus I was like, what my daddy told me. But, but, but see, but look, look at, look at most successful people, right? Mm-hmm. When they, when they fall, when they stumble, it's because they don't have discipline. Right, like, like, and like that—that for me is really important, right? Like, I, I, I believe that you have to have discipline in your life, all, all the way around. Oh, yeah, right? I agree with you. But, I agree with you. On but, that. It, but especially in this arena, right? Like, if you are so like just completely preoccupied with the game and not ever being able to leave the, and it's all because, like, if we're being honest, a lot of that is Ryan, not. Active. You ain't never had no hoes, bro. Right. Listen, anybody that will tell you, well, you can go back, take my Carfax. I've been very, I've been, I've been very, I've been very, I've been very boring, dog. Because for me, like again, I can it, was, it. it wasn't worth the risk. Bro, I'm, I was like, I'm hearing these stories, and I'm like, bro, I, I, I was I about to say, what's the story that that you heard? Or you saw that they had you believe, like? Well, I can believe the first part because when you around a whole bunch of white people, it's very little options. So. Yeah, in that stage of so, the game, but I went to college. I'm but in I, DC, no, but, but like, I get college. That's what I'm saying. I I'm get, talking about like, like how. I had my I had my son in college. My brother seeing that stopped his shit. Like he he's married, no kids. You know what I'm saying? And but <sighs> my dad he didn't my dad didn't express it to me the way I wish he would express. But see, like, look, I'm still waiting on the story. It's crazy. <laughs> Think, I believe things happen like when they're supposed to, but to the extent that I can control it, mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I just I, I can see the math, and like mm-hmm. I don't want to take a harder path if I don't have to. Yeah. That, that, that's just like I mean it was just you like, dropping like gems. You dropping I, I, gems, I just don't bro. want like that, that scene it's not impossible I don't again there's one of them like 
It is not impossible. Anything can be overcome. You like, and again, there's no mistakes. I especially I don't look at children and say that like that was a mistake. I don't believe that, right? But like, no, nah, it could be a mistake. The actual child is not a mistake. Oh, yeah, not the child. No, yeah, child not a mistake. Child, not a mistake. Not the child. So, like, that like, text. I, mean, I did not mean to send that text. Man. <laughs> you not a mistake. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, I, I give it a thousand percent. Like you know, that's how. Like, listen, <laughs> it's not a mistake. But the 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 thing is, like you said, if you don't see the consequences, that you don't think is a mistake. Like you mm-hmm. you think it you think it could just be a regular instance. Yeah, you don't right. see the mistake until the consequence come. You're like, damn. Like, I, I I love. I, I will not. You know, like my my son, he's gonna get it different than my dad gave it to me because my dad really didn't explain it. You know, yeah, you, you're just... probably gonna say like, "Hey, listen, like, you know, if you can, if you could, you know, kick this down to yeah, twenty five, twenty six, thirty, you you be in a different. That's there's a different, it's, it's a there's house, a different yeah. life at, at that point, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. like, and, yeah. and I look, and I'm scary that way. I'm, I'm like, I, I I'm open about that. I'm very scary. Yeah. I don't want no. It look, we all have an expiration date. Oh, I am not about to do anything though to like. Bring further the chances of mine. Oh, I like I just I can't. I was like, it was I'm, it was health class for him. He paid attention to that video. I sure did. Oh, they sure I did. Sure, like, sure. No goddamn bump seats. But that shit is scary. I I don't understand how it's not scary for more people. I'm yeah. like I'm boy. I do remember that freshman orientation. It messed up that whole night, boy, because the night before was a party. But the next night, ready. they saw all them pictures. They seen that video. They start thinking. <laughs> nah, I, I'm the one that, that gets impacted. I'll be seeing that stuff and just be like. <laughs> now, do you have a, a horror story of like a homeboy that happened to? Like, man, you saw something promising in him and you. you... I, I mean, I not again, I don't look at it like that. Like, I have, you know, there's circumstances that happen to a bunch of people. But like, I'm just talking about like my like what he I just saw. Said, from, he don't want to go through it. Like, like, yeah, it was, like, it was like, it's like it's my life. Like, I just don't want to. Or like this, the, the stress. Mm-hmm. Any oh, of that. I feel I, it, man. No, I, I just I didn't want it. Like, I, give my, my man a round of applause, man. Jim's. Nah, yeah. But let me be clear. Here. I like, see the hairline. Yeah. That's a non-stressed hairline. <laughs> That's <a> non-stressed. <laughs> Straight no, up. There's no judgment in this. Like, I, I have friends. We all make different choices, right? So it's not about like my way, right way, none of that. But for me, just be very clear. For me, it was just like, hey, you know, I I, I had a homie that like. It felt like every week he had a pregnancy scare. Like, like, like every week. This nigga. Yeah. And it was like, it, that was to, my homeboy too. I mean, to the to the point where it was just like it was just like, bro, like, well, you do know how this happens, right? Like, like, <laughs> you, like, like, like you do know how you get to a place where like, you're you're constantly this on pins and needles. Yeah, yeah. and there's there's like it's one thing to have one, but like when you were on like five, it's like yeah, that ain't, yeah. it's like it's yeah, like, bro, like, bro, yeah, bro, 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 like you know. You know how you're here. I seen a meme uh, about that nigga online. But <laughs> we all have that friend where it's yeah. just like, oh man, I'm stressed. What, what you stressed about? And it's like, are you back in that? <laughs> like you knew, you knew. Like this is not a like. Yeah, you right about that one. You you knew what that was gonna be like. Yeah. So nah, like when they say that I'm gone, like it's gonna so be. I give you, I could I kudos you on that. And, yeah, and, sure. and honestly, going like you just said, we gotta rethink how we look at. Uh, people who come from means or come from uh, status because of their parents' work. As men, we got to rethink this process of how we looking at women. We just yeah, do. Sure. Like, because yes, sure. I, I tell people all the time, when I'm blessed to have a son of my own, 
Like, it would be my goal to make sure he don't lose his virginity till he in his 30s. Like, if I think about how much time I spent chasing pussy. Man, it's in 30s. 30s. And I mean that wholeheartedly. Like three decades. I got to kill a generational curse that I started. (laughs) Like, like Mm -hmm. he need to hold his out. Like, I want him to stay focused. I'm telling you, man. Men in my bloodline. It's a bloodline thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you can get real distracted by it. That so, slash culture. Like, yeah. even if it's not in your bloodline, like you're a man. But this is my blood. I'm a bog mom. Yeah, you, I mean, yeah, you 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 a man once you <laughs> had you some pussy. You a man once you had these kids. You're not. That that's why I said we gotta rethink yeah, we gotta, that process. Rethink that's why I said I just kudos. This, this, right. this, this is right. contra- this is a little controversial, right? But like this, I think part of the, the thing that we don't talk about enough. Is that so much of that activity is not actually like driven by the women in our lives? It's driven by like men. trying to impress men, yeah. right? It was like, and and that for me was always like, yes. I don't care about y'all. In the in the beginning, in the beginning, it was men for me. Yeah. But as I start going, pause, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, it, it, it is yeah, like if yeah, you're trying to yeah, you're trying def- to press home. I got the numbers, definitely, definitely. In the I'm beginning. hitting shouted, and then not just that. You got older cousins. Who's right. like they're getting pussy for the first time and they're telling you about it and, and ain't nobody Ooh. ain't nobody daddy's really around to tell us this ain't what we need to be doing it's just our mamas around. But so we, you like, got to step back though at some point and be like, yo, like why am I so it. pressed to impress mm-hmm. all these dudes that are around me? Because most of the conversations about women are with like or with your friends, with mm-hmm. men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you could, if you look at it from that angle, it's like, wait, hold on. Hold on. I'm about to go out here and make a decision or series of decisions that are not in my best interest to impress y'all. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. I, I will. I, I'm okay. I, I will stick with. And yes, it was corny. I got married at 26. And was, oh, you're too young. Oh my goodness. What are you doing? And it's like. Nah, you, 26 uh, is a good age. No, that's the right. Cause you said you knew you, you all moving to Atlanta. I don't know. I just, I just feel like that marriage make it more secure sometimes. And, and you're not, you're not settling too. I think that's the other yeah, thing too. You're not too. settling when you find somebody that's like a partner to you. That part. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're lucky to find that early, like we, we don't say that when you find a business early. We'll be celebrating all these kids when they got their hot dog stand at 12 years old and they sell lemonade at seven. Yeah, we'll be like, oh, that's amazing. Right. Yeah. Like congratulations. Yeah. That's so great that you did that early. But then if you find someone that like, mm. and look, I get, when you know, you know. When I'm just going to say that yeah. because you know. I know, like, shout out to my cousin Troy. And this was the first time I saw somebody in our generation get married and be for real about that shit. Like, yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. I remember when Troy met Chantel. Shout out Chantel. Like, Chantel was, like, the perfect partner to him. But especially if you know somebody and you know what they need. Yeah. Like, God... The theory of God creating a woman for you became yes. real when I seen Troy and his wife. Like, and how many years y'all just celebrated? Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah, look, look, listen. If there's something I'm not, I, this is probably the longest conversation that I've ever had about my wife in any form or fashion. Yeah, because I do not play about. I don't. I'll talk to you about whatever, right? But like, yeah. As soon as I do not. It is not funny to be fast. <laughs> like, 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 it's, I, I, I don't, I, to the point where like, you know, folks, you know, I do a lot of, you know, I'm, I gotta, for my job, I move around and stuff and people, we don't, we got little kids, we don't go together, right? A right. lot of places in that sense. And so people are always like, you know, where's your wife? And it's like, hey, listen, 
And, you know, or, or like on Instagram, like, where is she? Go? Where are your kids on the internet? Yeah, like, hey, God damn, Will Smith. Keep my butt, out your fucking mouth. Bro, I got played. Like, like, yeah, yeah, Will. No, but it's, it's, it's so important to me yeah. that, like, nah, it's not like, I'll talk about a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, no, I'm not putting that on display. Like, I'm not going to have mm-hmm. some long conversation. Can I you don't, fight? Hmm? Can you fight? I right, look, don't, I ain't a killer, but don't. <laughs> look, this is a question we always ask on, on relationships. Cause like, I don't look, play by my wife either, uh, but I can't fight, so that's why I like. <laughs> no, nah, look, listen, listen. I'm a very flat, pretty even killed person. Yeah. But people who know me know that like, it, I'm I'm very relaxed until I'm not. Mm. And one of the very few things I probably even shouldn't tell everybody, but one of the very few things like I don't. My wife, my kids, my family. Okay. And my friends, I don't. There's not. I'm not. I don't. I don't. I don't kiki Zero to a hundred. Yeah. I don't kiki and haha about all that. Like I, that's not funny to me. Like I, I don't. And people, I, I don't like it growing up. People be trying haha. You're no. Hey, like don't. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't do. I, ain't lie, I was kind of the same way. I can never. That Joan is like, bro. You better take it too serious. Cause it's like, what you playing for? No, nah, no. Nah, I tell people, I, look, I'm sensitive. Like don't do, don't, don't, don't. Your mom and me. I'm not. It's not mm-hmm. funny. I'm not. I don't do that. Like. <laughs> It's not, I'm not the right person. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of partnerships, first of all, thank you. I like the, what you just contributed. More men need to hear that. But thank you. For sure. For Other sure. partnerships. If TK wasn't your roommate, would the other person would have been the co-founder of Gathering Spot? No. Thousand percent no. I mean, there was four of us, right? So, like, we're still cool. Called so, that was, my, that was my next question. Yeah, my next was, question was, who are the Destiny Child members that didn't make it? <laughs> it wouldn't even it didn't, it didn't make it. It's, it's, so, 1440, those that was, that was my guys, all best uh, men <clears> at my <throat> wedding. So, TK, and that, it's after our address and where we lived in D.C. So, we call it, we still to this day, my phone, 1440. Um, <laughs> 766. <laughs> no, we, but so, we all had individual passions, right? So, um, one of our roommates, Dr. Jamil Kendall, he's an orthopedic surgeon. And he wanted to be a, he wanted to be a doctor right when we were in school. I watched him study for organic chemistry. I watched him apply. To, I've been there the whole time. Mm-hmm. We recently went out and um and watched him graduate from his residency. He's he's done amazing. Our other uh, roommate is uh, a lawyer, Keshawn Henderson in in uh, in DC. And so like everybody had their own thing. So TK and I started a business, and it's a doctor and a lawyer. It's it's part of the like core crew. So when did you, what was that moment where TK, and I, I love the partnership. I, I'm going to be real. I've been a member of Gathering Spot for whole time. Yeah, the whole time. And I always love the duo. You know what I'm saying? I love the duo. And it's a hard thing to do. I don't think people realize. We say we want partners, but it's a hard thing to have it. And I, I feel like y'all partnership, your roles always look very defined. You know what I'm saying? Like, like TK has looked like a very good support brother. Like he was like, he, every time you on stage, he's sharing it. He on camera. Like he's, he been on stage recently, but a lot of times I see you up front. Like talk to me how y'all divvied up these roles. How did y'all decide you're going to do this? I'm going to do this. Like talk to me about on that. And TK is a genius. And uh, he, I mean, he went to school for finance and accounting, right? So the thing that folks have to know about what he, like what he, there is no first. We gotta start. There is no gathering spot without without TK. Right? Like, don't get me. Like, I talk about it a lot. Like, I talk about it a lot. Yeah. Right? Like, like he he today today 
Like, we had payroll. A bunch of folks got paid today. And they should thank TK. Because you know who had nothing to do with that? Like, from, like, a process standpoint? Me. I Like, the, like, actually making the business happen. Our, our, like, all of the, like, stuff. Which, you know, people would see kind of as administrative and regulatory. Like, no, that man is... There, there are a few people that are as good as TK at like, I mean, really, we, 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 we spent years not having enough money mm-hmm. and like TK figured out how to make us have enough money all the time. I mean, to, to survive. <clears throat> Shout out TK. What was that moment where you and TK, you know, I always look at it, you know, the business like an airplane, right? Yeah. There's a process of fueling it, loading it up, you know what I'm saying? Pulling away from the jet. Mm-hmm. What was that process when y'all were like, up in the air and not necessarily can't take a seatbelt off, but like y'all actually took off. Like, cause I know y'all was in that process of raising money. Like what was that moment? And I'm trying to figure out where I was in that moment, man. It was later than what people think. Um, 2019 maybe was the first time we were like, okay. In 2019, uh, is that when y'all bought a three C? Yes. Yeah. Twenty nineteen was the first time we were like that's the first time we did it. Yeah, we did for we did that. Explain year. that thought. Uh, I mean again, I don't all these sob stories, but like the business just wasn't it didn't have enough money, right, for a long time. Like we were never funded like that. We were funded to complete construction. Like we were able to get always enough money to figure that out. But operations, like we had to go make money to to survive. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to continue to build. The club opened with 128 members, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the same fixed cost that we have to a large extent today, right? Was Real there. estate was yeah. there was there when that happened. So, like, we had to do stuff. Uh, 19 was the first year where we started to get to enough people plus events plus other stuff where, like, it was like, okay, I don't know if I took my seatbelt off, but it was, you know. Felt good. We felt like we were, and then, you know, and then, then a pandemic happened the next year. So like, you know, put your seat, you know, Fuck. keep your seatbelt close because, you know, it gets, but no, I mean, it was, so the business opened in 2016, 19 was the first time where I was like, okay, I wasn't waking up trying to figure out how to make payroll. Like, yeah, every other week, every the, the, do it. yeah, like it was, you know, we, we knew that we had enough money. Uh, okay, we can make payroll this month. Tell me, Reagan and Sam, like, it's only four people I didn't see with spot on. Yeah, that's nice. It's OG, TGS. Yeah. OG. So, yeah. you, TK, Reagan, how did Reagan and Sam come into play? Uh, Reagan is my sister's best friend growing up. I've known Reagan a really long time. Gotcha. And so, uh, when we were starting the business, we were like, you know, we're looking for just people who may be interested in and being a part of this. And again, I know Reagan for a long time. And she, uh, she said, cool. Let's, you know, she was coming out of college. First job. She was like, sure. Right now I'll try it. And like, she had been around to, like she saw my parents were entrepreneurs. So I was like, you know, okay, try another Wilson thing. And then Samantha, the story with Samantha is crazy. So I went on LinkedIn and I was just looking for like event planners and, uh, there are not a lot of black people in, not a lot of melanated people 
that are like event coordinators, believe it or not. Like, it's just not a lot of people that there's a lot of people who like are like planners now, but like then, yeah, especially they had come out of like hotels or restaurants or like experience. Yeah. It wasn't. So I, um, I reached out to her on LinkedIn. Like I'd never met her before. Didn't know anybody that knew her. And she responded back. We met, she came for a tour TGS and she was like, cool. I'll tell my friends about this. Like, thanks. Mm. And I said to her, I thought it was a movie. I was just like, I don't want to meet any of your friends. Like, I was like, I don't, I was like, I sent a message to you. I want to see if you join the team. Like, I don't want to meet any of your friends. And she was like, okay. <laughs> and kept conversation going. She, she agreed. So both of them have been, uh, with us for eight years. Yeah. I mean, JT, eight years. there's been a lot of people who like a lot of five, a lot of six, a lot of seven year anniversaries. Right. I And like I said, we've seen a lot of it. And I don't think a lot of people talk enough on entrepreneurship because I heard you on one podcast talking about the conversation of scaling. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk enough about the process of what that looks like. That first employee to five to 10, like the struggles of that. How do you convert from 1099s to W2s? Do you, when do you start at W2s? Like, that's a conversation we don't have. I, I agree we don't have the conversation. I, I believe full, like wholeheartedly that we have more than the potential to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it's just, it's about setting a marker in the sand. Right. Like, I'm a big believer in this. Like, you have to put a line in the sand about where you're going. Mm-hmm. And then you work backwards. Right. You like, how many people, if you're going to pick a number, I'm going to do $10 million of revenue this year. Okay. Well, like how, how would the organization need to be structured mm-hmm. to get to 10 million? All right. And then I play offense, right? Like I'm not, I, I am not a defensive. I've been talking about this a lot in our office recently. The only way for you to get from here to there is that you got to go on. Oh, like, yeah, like you got to score. You, you have to like, it's like that old Phoenix Suns uh, offense back in the day. where like, they ain't play no defense. But like, Shoot, yeah. but, but they was just, yeah. you just got to go down there and try to score. Right? right. And, you know, to a certain extent when you're trying to scale, it's like, okay, look, you know, my, they used to talk about that team. They'd be like, their win number is like, they had to get to like a hundred points a game on average to win. And them boys was just running. Like they would go they and try to, they would, and like they play a little defense, but like they would score. Up. That's how I look at entrepreneurship. Like when you're in the middle of the, of the process, you have to pick a point in the in the sand. Just be like, hey, we're going there. Right. And then go play offense, like full offense. It's all risk, right? This is the thing that like bugs me completely. People will be looking at their company and be like, ah, like I can't afford to do this and I can't afford to do that. And like, I understand it. You're right, actually. Like the math says that you're correct. Right. There's got to be a moment, though, where you press the table, right? Like if you ever play cards, another analogy that I'll give. If you play any car game, right? One, the house has the edge. That's why mm. casinos are built. Mm. The only <laughs> real way to beat the casino is that you have to like pick very specific moments and you have to press the table. Mm-hmm. If you sit there all day and just play blackjack and play the same amount of money every hand, they get you. The house knows that they that the odds are in their favor. You will lose every single time. It's kind of that same way in entrepreneurship. If you sit there and just do the same thing over and over and over again. Like you, the game is not really designed for you to win with that very just. I'm gonna bet five dollars at a time every single time. Eventually, you got to be like 
50. Right. And like, look, I understand that like what could happen with that is you could be you wrong. Lose it. No, you, you I mean, but yes, but like the fallacy in all of it is that you're probably going to lose just $5 at a time. It's death by a thousand cuts. Right. So at, at a certain point as an entrepreneur, you got to be like, look, this feels like the moment where we got to jump. I'm a gambler, so I'm I'm feeling this analogy. Sure. You know, no, so uh, anybody, look, and I'm not encouraging it, but like, once again, <laughs> the only way to beat the odds at some point is you have to press, press up. Like, there's no, you cannot do it playing the, a consistent bet. Like, so if that is you right now and you've been doing the same thing every year the same way, and it's like, it's not enough to get you fully there, but it's not enough to get you out. Cause you just, you'll keep going back and forth for a while. Right. But the house knows that if you do that over time, look at how the casino, look at what, this is actually a really good analogy for, for people who are in entrepreneurship. Yeah, Cause this is, look at what, look at what casinos do. <clears throat> they, if you're playing, if you'll sit there and play, they don't, they, they look at your average bet and how long you play. Those are the two metrics that that and how in terms of how they look at what type of player you are, mm-hmm. and the people that they want are people who, that are going to sit there for as long as possible. They will not give you all of the cool stuff if you come down, slap some money on the table, play two hands, and leave, because their odds aren't the same in that the scenario. They need you just to sit. Mm-hmm. That's the same way I would argue the entrepreneurs need that, like that in terms of how the whoever the forces are that are working against you. Right. They need you to just sit. And chill and wait and do a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And you'll look up and it's like, wow, I don't lost a lot of money, but you did it by a thousand cuts. Right. So press press at some point. I, I look, and I don't know if it's tomorrow. I don't know if it's next year, but like at some point, so press the table. First time I seen you press heavy was when 2019, um, when Paul Judge enters the picture, do you feel like that was a press? I've pre- I've been pressing for the whole time, right? So I I have one I have one press every single year. One press every year, at least yeah. several. I mean, normally like once. If I if I really thought about it, I probably press the table once a month. So saying that to say, I remember you got a lot of success stories and a lot of entrepreneurs in there. So a lot of people that have done business with Paul and all these guys and people feel like they were like, I don't know. I know when I seen it, I don't know. Why Why is he here? You know what I'm saying? Which do you talking about A3C or, or A3C in the beginning. This is before, before Green. Greenwood and okay. all that got here. Okay. This is just the very beginning. Cause we were like, cause again, you said that was when y'all felt like y'all hit y'all stride as a member Hell, we felt that too. Shit, TGS was, that's the prime. And then, hell, hell, some of the best years of my life was right there, 2018, me and Troy making a lot of money. We got there <laughs> doing our thing, headquartered in the other spot, right? Yeah. So I think everybody was kind of on a, they were running. They was on a run right there. So like, when he comes in the picture, Based off of everything that I've heard, and I've never done a personal business with Paul. I've just heard all the stories, whether it was with this business, that business. And when I seen, I'm like, ah. So, one, hindsight, since you done made it, do you agree with that press? Do you feel like it was necessary? Do you feel like you would have done it different? 
if you could go back? I don't want this to sound like a cliche, but like it's just genuinely how I feel about life. Right. No, like I don't. I don't have any. No, like I genuinely make the best decision that I can when I'm like in whatever position I'm in. I make the best decision that I can at that moment. Right. I evaluate all the different options. And I make the best choice that I can. I can always look at myself in, in the in the mirror and say, "Was that the best option that you had?" Right. Yes. Okay. So it doesn't matter what we're, it doesn't matter what, when, who, at any given time. Right. I have a great business partner, TK. So I have the ability to like be like, "Hey, let's look at this. Let's look at it from this angle. Let's look at it from this angle." Like, and if we come out of that room being like, "Hey, we're going to press the table," and like, oh, we didn't, we didn't like, there's stuff that like people don't even consider a press. That like was extraordinarily risky. We flew a plane of black folks to DC, mm-hmm. like and and you know how expensive <clears throat> that was. Like the business didn't have like to take a seven thirty seven in the middle of a pandemic. Like that's as a press. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like mm-hmm. I, I just it's been to COVID right like. The first announcement that we didn't know how. So in hindsight, it's like oh wow, like you know. The first announcement I made in March of 2020 was we were going to keep our people, feed our people, right? You could come to the job and come get food and that we were going to continue to like figure out a way to survive with no, like, okay. In hindsight, we, we can see that the pandemic has ended, but at that point in time, we could have been, no one knew how long we were going to be in that mode. It didn't have an expiration date. So that was a press. Like I, like there's, you gotta, you have to, I, I don't live like that. And like, so have I, I've made good decisions in the game. I've made bad decisions. Right. I guess bad decisions. If you want to look at them, like I, another analogy, man, I look, I grew up playing golf as I talked about great golfers. When you hit the ball, it's a bad shot. Right. You address the ball where it is. Right. Like the, like that, the best golfers in the world have an ability to go hit their golf ball in the woods. Right. And then they just walk to the ball in the woods and that's where they got to play. When y'all was, that's how I look at it. When y'all was in that process, was this the did the dynamics change with uh, you and TK as far as like how was the chemistry working with them? How heavy were they in the business when you all started with? With Greenwood, yeah. Uh, initially, initially we were we we're pretty separate companies, and then well, we talked about this you know pretty publicly. There was an, an effort to bring the efforts together in twenty three, mm-hmm. and. Uh, there was there was much more involvement in 2023 than in 2022. So we seen people say they were like when the announcement was made and TK left out. One, I want to know what your I mean, thought was. He got fired. Yeah, he got fired. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. He got yeah, fired. No, I thought we got to be, be clear. Like yeah. he got when he TK got fired. got fired. One, what are your emotions? You just said it ain't no gathering spot about the TK. Like, how do you even fathom that? I can only imagine. Keep getting fired, right? And how the fuck I could keep that shit together long enough to even get them back? One, how did that feel? But two, um, the other part of this question is answer that because I'm I'm gonna craft it how I want to ask it. Like when TK got fired, like I was. How did you keep that cool? Cause I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't know if I would. I would describe it as I kept it cool. I was very mad. Now you right kept there. it cool, like and if it, like I've heard you talking, but I'm talking about. No, I mean you heard me talking public, right? Like, like, like that. No, like I'm not. What was what was most fascinating to me about uh, some bit of that conversation was that, like, I thought I think that people didn't understand. Like, 
that's my brother. Right. So like one, I was there. Like I was with him. And two, I was with him the entire time. Like, like I, like we were never like, it was, it was, you know, people like, what's up with Ryan to get like, bro, nothing. Like, like that's uncle TK to my kids. Like yeah, I, never, like, I never thought. No, yeah. Well, I didn't, no, some, I never some people, some people were like, well, you know, it's Ryan in and on her. Did he fire? I'm like, y'all, y'all are, y'all are, oh, I never y'all, heard that y'all are tripping. I was like, I didn't do nothing, but no, like, man, there's no point in sitting here and, and, and trying to No, I was not, I was not happy or right? I was very mad, but I've always uh, understood with TGS. I have a responsibility to it, like TGS as a thing, mm. too, right? So, like, I have responsibility responsibility to my guy, mm. but I got two hundred black folks on payroll. I have responsibility to them too. Right. I have a community of, of folks that care about this. I have responsibility to them. So you have to, you know, you got to keep. Got to figure out a way to keep it together. I'm not gonna sit here and say that it was, you know. Was it really? A, was it did that many people really leave? It was a lot of people saying, "Oh, I'm leaving my membership. I'm I'm gone." It was significant. And I seen some people capping because I like, bro, you weren't even a member. <laughs> some there were capping. There was some of that. Um, no, nah, I mean, pe- no, people left, but like more than like if you were an official member or not, right? What? From an industry perspective, just for a little math here, mm. in the industry, membership clubs, depending on what category you're looking at, churn average is normally like 14%. So you're losing 14% of your people. TGS spiked at 5% during COVID and historically has lived at like 2 or 3%. So why I say that is that if you start to get anywhere near Five, six, seven, like that's a lot for the gathering spot. Now, mm-hmm. from an industry perspective, a person would look at it and be like, oh, that's just churn, right? But like, wasn't churn for us. Like, like we, mm-hmm. we weren't, we didn't, even in COVID, there wasn't a bunch of, so no, pe- people did, you know, people left. Did they come back when he came back? Some did. Some did. Nah, cause I, you know, I would, I would say this. I got you a round of applause. You are the only deal in my life that is on auto pay. <laughs> Like, I appreciate you. Like, I appreciate you. Hey, look. I, hey, look. I don't pay shit. Yeah, I, don't pay. I appreciate like, I understand. That's that one thing. I'd be like, God I, damn, I, I man. Understand. I understand. God damn. Let me go get my free breakfast. Thank you for bringing I, it back, I, by the way. Thank you. coming back. I just came. I came back because after I seen I'm like, you know what? Because I was very, I was very vocal. You know how vocal yeah, I was. Yeah. Uh, I, I never was with the Greenwood thing. Me and you had conversations way before. So... When I found out it was gone, I'm back. And I'm back because I want to show people that, one, this is a place that we have been able to gather. You know what I'm saying? This is a place that has birthed ideas and businesses. This is a place where I know for sure there's plenty of time where I've called you and I've asked you to participate and help me with something. And there's never been a no. So that's why I came back. I appreciate that. But when I came back and y'all weren't having free breakfast, we were about to fight. (laughs) I'm like, man, fuck this credit okay. shit, man. How, how, you, how you had a little joint that fast? That was, you came with that so quick. That was like, what's happening? I was like, right. point, point. Now, look, and you know who all the people that did like it were the people that was um, the, the night owls that can't wake up for breakfast. <laughs> That's those yeah. one that were like, I'm no. like, nah, bring it back, bro. No, no we, we in the community business. Well, it used to be about community, but I want to know more about uh, celebrity business, right? Because one thing I noticed with the gathering spot, y'all do a good job of curating that, like, if somebody comes in the city, they come through the gathering spot. Like, how Drake, 
Drake, LeBron, Change Kamala. LeBron. Like, how do y'all do that? Relationships, man. Um, but I, I'll tell you too. Like, I don't wake up any morning being like, "What celebrity can we get to come in here today?" Right? Like, I really don't. Like, I, I feel like if we take care of the people that are with us, that opportunities will come. And this is another lesson for folks, right? Like, it is never actually the person that you see or know that's actually the important person. Who I know is are the people that are important to them. I know they're a lawyer. I know they're accountant. I know they're business manager. I know the people who I know their assistant. Like those are the people that are oftentimes members of the club. So by the time you see the like celebrity, some of them are members. A lot of them are not. Right. But like the person that's standing right beside them in the picture, that person is a part of TGS. Right. So I I hope that's a lesson for folks in that, like to the extent that you're trying to have notable people around, treat everybody around with respect because Yo, I'm talking about people that are normally on these teams, but sometimes, man, it's like somebody's cousin or like mm-hmm. their brother. It'll be, it'll be like <laughs> you won't even know. And they'll be like, oh yeah, you know, you didn't know my grandfather is, and it's like, yeah. nah, I didn't know. <laughs> like, yeah. so you know, build real relationships with folks. Really ask and try to understand who they are, and you'll find over time that they'll be like, oh, I would love to bring my sister in here. And it's like, well, who's your sister? Yeah, Beyonce. And you're like, a word? So, I mean, like, you know, every call, every time we've gotten that call, it's been because there's a real relationship we have with somebody. Mm, That's what's up. And so, yeah, I mean, now a little bit everybody's showing up, but like, I can't, I'm seriously, like, I I can't even think of some of those people, like, can I get in contact with them directly? No, I don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know the main person that I need, if I needed to get to them, I know exactly who to talk to. Can you to, let to me in the next Drake party? Huh? Can I come to the next Drake party? I can't party? even admit that that happened. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, though. Who, who Shout out is, to Cortez, though. That's what's up. <laughs> who, who's the person that you did meet? Because you seem like a pretty cool dude, so you don't seem like you get excited. But who did you see in, on the inside? You got super excited like that. Nigga LeBron, James. I ain't never seen a nigga smile that hard. <laughs> <laughs> that, nigga, that nigga was in LeBron James armpit, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> like, I ain't never seen that nigga. But now, who your person? Who your person? Uh, no, well, like, welcome in LeBron was cool. And honestly, it was because T- TK is a big LeBron fan. And he couldn't be there. And so I was really excited because, you know, when you're thinking about, like, oh, man, we're going to build this place and we're going to have people in the culture come through. And, like, you know, TK's from the Virgin Islands. He's from St. Croix. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. To, to have Son of the Soil. Yeah, like to have to have Braun walk through, right? Like, yeah, no disrespect to Braun. Like, it's cool to meet Braun, right? But like, to have like TK's, like, you know, like, like when LeBron was in the finals, like some of those finals parties saved our whole business. Like mm-hmm. when he kept going to Game Seven, boy, because we used to do them game watches, yeah, yeah. And that was when it was tight, right? And like, mm-hmm. it was a big difference between a four game series and a seven game series. Like, I needed them extra. <laughs> the economy. Yeah. Yeah, I need them extra games. But something like Vegas I, over here. <laughs> but, but I tell you, I was sitting in, I, I remember being in the bar one time and I was just like, please take this to a game. So, because if we can run this back, whew, that would be huge right. for us to, you know, the games come every other day at that mm-hmm. point. I was like, oh, yeah. ease Lord. And, um, you know, so, you know, it was, it, it's been dope to like watch people that we grew up admiring, watching, seeing, right? Famous and not just like, like mm-hmm. cool people mm-hmm. come through TGS. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and them now being able to leverage it for the work that they do. Cause they're not, nobody's ever there on some like, 
celebrity stop. Like they're doing something to advance something that they're interested in, whether it's social or they're trying to promote something that they have, which is like, that's cool too. Where are we headed? Where's the community headed? Gathering spot. We back. It's a new era, you know. Mm-hmm. We got, I have three strategic uh, things that I'm going to accomplish in TGS 2.0. First thing is everything connected to the member experience, right? So, like, we're not a perfect place, right? We got to figure out how to compete and be um, be great, like, every every single time, every single interaction that we have with every single member and guest. And so, like, I'm laser focused on when you need to go do whatever that, like, we're in the conversation for being as good as any other place that you can go to. So that's like spending a lot of time there. Second thing is all things technology, right? So I think that the directory model is dead, right? Like the, you're just going to scan through a book and go look for a face and point. Be like, oh, they look like a great person. Like you need to, we need to leverage what's happening with AI so that you can, so it's dynamic. Like you'd be like, hey, I'm looking for somebody who has a media company and it like gives you, information that's actually like really useful third thing and this is the um the one that i'm like super passionate about we've got to make sure that from an economic perspective that we have seats at the table for everybody i didn't build tgs for it to be some stuffy elite spot like that's not that was never the goal you read the first paragraphs about tgs it was never said that what I want to make sure that everyone understands, again, not a new value for us, but like I want everyone to know that we're going to be the most inclusive club in the country. We're going to go build very specific avenues so that economic barriers are not going to be the reason why you're not at TGS. And um, I can get that hundred dollar a month back. I'm going to work on it. Uh, no, nope. I'm working on it. Work on it. Like, I got <laughs> nah, but, but like, but I mean, seriously, like, because, if you if you think about it right, TGS is all about black folks, mm. and if you're gonna if you're going to advocate and make sure that we're we're genuinely having real conversations about what's happening in our community, mm. I mean you can't you can't have people not there because they can't afford to be. That's right. So we're going to like be very specific about making sure that there are seats at the table mm. because I don't want it to ever turn into you know we ain't here just happy to be. The ones that were fortunate to be able to to beat some aspect of the curve. Right. I want everybody to be able to beat that curve, right? And so you, I don't believe that you get there by being exclusionary. So um, that's where we're going. We're going to build some more clubs. Like we'll build them across the country. I'm going to announce our next club over the next couple months. Um, I'm on, I'm going to every single city right now, meeting, looking at real estate, meeting with members in the community. So I'll announce another club here coming up, but that's a more locations, but then like, you know, more programs and more advocacy. Right. I mean, there's i I've been talking a lot about how this year really for me is about making sure that our stuff scales. I think there's a lot of people in our community right now for far too long that have been making too much money on this, like start conversation on the ABCs of entrepreneurship, the one, two, threes and all that. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not trying to say that that's totally unimportant, but we've got to focus on making sure that like our companies get to, to higher heights. Right. And so I'm, I'm focusing a lot there. We'll do some political stuff too, because it's an election year. So we gotta, we gotta lean into um, that race, but I want to reshape the narrative on things, man. I'm, 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 I'm going to be very specific in this season. I'll tell you something that's bothering me right now. I keep reading these comments where 
for whatever reason, like we, we, we talk about ourselves in ways that to me is just not, it's not true. A lot of the comments are ahistorical. Like I see people all the time say, well, we don't know financial literacy. Um, like no, we don't, no. we don't know customer service. All like white folks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> like everybody else. It's just because we haven't been taught how to work together. And I'm like, like, that's just not true. Right. Like, I'm with you on that. We, but we have to like, we have to stop talking to each other like that. Like when you see these comments of like, oh man, if we had only learned how to like really learn how to grow, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> so, uh, I, uh, I about to say that cause I do, I will say a little bit of pushback. I think what their meaning is, we don't have the open conversations, right? Like how you came on the pod, you kind of gave it up. Like I learned this, I learned that this is how you do it. I think the information age has leveled the playing field. But if you go back about 10 years, it would be hard for you to have a conversation with a millionaire, somebody who scaled their business. And the first qualifying question will be, well, where's your business at? It's like, well, I'm just trying to get information. I think YouTube has democratized stuff. Yeah. But like, yeah, I, I, I think that when you don't have the knowledge, that's what I, the, I that's, agree with that. I agree with that. But I'm speaking to them niggas that be like, we got to do it like the Jews and the That's for me. For me, I'm like, nigga, first of all, I what I said on the past. Day, my my first question is, how many white people, how many white people are you in relationship with? How many Mexican people are in relationship? Folk be saying this and they ain't got one person they know in real life. That do this, and they just give everybody else the benefit of the doubt, and they doubt us. You, they, and like, and yes, yes, exactly. And we have to like, I agree with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is the problem, though, is that like I see that most often in two spaces. There's the people that say it's because, well, really three spaces. There's people who say combination of we don't know, we were never taught financial literacy. Mm. That's not true. Black folks have been surviving for a really long time. Like, and the way that we know how to survive is that you have to make things. You got to add. You got to figure out how to make things that a lot of times math, the math really shouldn't math. math. Mm. Like, we figure out how to make math that shouldn't math math, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I actually think that like we are pretty well conditioned to figure that out. The other thing that we say all the time, especially in the hospitality space, is we never were taught or don't care about customer service. Yeah, that's that's, cap. that's yeah. not true. That's cap. That's yeah. not true, right? Are there bad customer experiences, service experiences around? Sure, there are. But the thing is, there are bad customer service experiences around everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. everywhere. everywhere. And you know how you should know that? Can I because, speak about one? Uh, uh, the I just went to the new hotel on Northside Drive. All right. Trash. Well, but this this is the thing though, right? So when that happens, right, we we just go home. We gotta take a step back on this. As black folks in America, we know like actually a considerable amount of our history has been being treated horribly. Mm-hmm. Right? So to sit and say and act like black folks are the only people that treat you poorly when like the history and your lived reality right now actually informs that, like, that's not true. There's mm-hmm. people treating you terribly everywhere. Now, look, I'm not trying to let anybody off the hook. Businesses should treat people right and try to all that. Mm-hmm. But, th- but when we perpetuate this narrative that, like, we don't we don't care about each other at all, that's not true. And that is not that's, true. It's, it's, like, on that. it's so, conditioning, yeah. though. It's, it con- conditioning. it's conditioning. It's, it's uh, the miseducation of what culture really is. Because we're disconnected from our culture. We disconnected from our history. Like all the stuff you just said about how we make math that don't math math. All the time. That is in the threads of our history. If you, if, if you, if you know it, you know that. And most people just don't know. Most people literally don't know. Well, and that's what I was they saying. With, with the, when it comes to the financial literacy as well, I think 
the issue really comes to, you know, when black people hear financial literacy, a lot of times it's not teaching you about money, right? Like the psychology of money and all that kind of good stuff. A lot of time is almost coming down to you like, well, you're in this condition because you fucked it up and you're not teaching me about like money systems and banking systems or like you're saying how to push on certain deals and wait back on certain deals. So financial literacy, I think like we have to do a better job in our community. If we know what the truth is, putting the truth out. And then if we do see somebody that's like a bad actor in the community, kind of calling them out because financial literacy also comes when I hit a scratch off and I have an extra 5,000 and I want to invest because I know I should invest. Here comes a charlatan, somebody who's in the community that says, you know, I seen with multi-level marketing sometimes, not, I don't mean to knock y'all, but I've seen it sometimes over there where it's like, well, just bring your money here and you're thinking yeah, that's, that's financial. Yeah, that's, 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 that's gaming. But, and, I, that, and that's not, that's not like, that's yeah. not appropriate. But like the thing that black folks should know, especially if you spend a lot of time with white folks, like go talk to white kids. Mm-hmm. They don't disproportionately know more about finance mm-hmm. than us. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, like they, they do not. Like, they like, like, and like, trust me, I know. I went to school with them. Like, trust me, I know. Like, like we talk about ourselves though, that like, Again, like there's some massive gap in our understanding, our capacity to understand. That is not true. It's like mm-hmm. we just have to like stop saying that. Again, like it's not true. Mm-hmm. Are there always things to learn? Yes, there are always things to learn. You will always find yourself in a spot where you can. I mean, the greatest finance people ever. If you sit down with them, mm-hmm. they are still figuring out how to make money move. Like yeah. that's that's what that. Yeah. So again, I'm not saying that there's nothing to learn, but we have to stop a narrative that like. We don't we have don't the capacity. We, we don't. At all. We don't know, and yeah. it's because we haven't been taught. Like anytime, anytime a sentence starts, oh, no, with, you, we've been we taught. haven't been taught. Then your mama yeah. taught you how to save money. Now everybody yeah. has a mama or grandma who's I mean, trying to teach you how to save. Your, your mama demonstrated it. Like, yeah. like taught. Like, like you, you saw it. Like you, you saw that happen. Like mm-hmm. in front of you. Stop, like again, is that? It's the customer service and the we don't know how to work together narratives. Yeah, I hate that one. I really that everybody that say that work together ain't working with nobody. Everybody that say that every single every <laughs> single time it'd be like I, even like I, I've been talking about you know that it was like we're you know we don't a lot of our businesses don't employ people and people are like that's because we don't know how to work together that's that's absolutely not the reason why that stat is the way that it is right. like, like it and and you believing that is part of the reason why the stat will continue and you ain't you ain't working with nobody one you ain't got a business one you ain't hiring nobody like. Yeah, I don't need that shit. It, it's gotta, it's gotta stop. Right? Like we, I, how we talk to each other, how we talk about each other, it absolutely has to shift, and we have to talk to about talk to each other from a place of possibility mm-hmm. and and of optimism and of strength in in a way that is like true to our tradition, mm-hmm. and not from this deficiency. We don't know. We haven't been taught. We haven't ever figured out. Like, yes, there are things to learn, but it does not require us to talk to each other like we just are like. It is. Like, 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 like we're just like not capable. Like I can't do that. Like I believe and have seen black folks go and achieve and achieve more. Right. right? But like, again, next time you want to go online and talk about how a black company didn't have good customer service, I want you to also think about all of the other experiences that you've had. That you didn't post about. That you did not post about at all. And that where they probably treated terrible because like we know that racism is alive and well. Mm -hmm. So I, are you telling me that every experience that you have out in the world as a black person is amazing? Exactly. It can't be, b- both can't be true. 
Right. And like, that's not my reality. I go places all the time. I'm still followed in stores. I still, all the stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. I still got all the, all the microaggression, all of those things still happen to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, you know what I don't do is go on any platform, lighting folks up. And like that, like that has to, that has to stop. Right. That has to stop. There's such a thing as, as, you know, time and place you gotta, and like half the time people don't even go to these companies and try to resolve it. Mm-hmm. They go immediately. Oh, yeah, they, they go straight to destructive. I agree with that. Yeah, and, and I mean, they, again, during my era of Spendify, I advocated for black businesses. Absolutely, like the stories I heard, the the complaints I heard. Like I used mm-hmm. Spendify used to be like we always say we were the matchmaker of the consumer and black businesses. We heard all that shit, and and most people that were complaining, again, you hold nobody else to that standard. Ever. Ever at all. So I only yeah. listen to that shit. I do okay. got a question. State of Atlanta for black people as a whole, what do you feel we are? I got a, got a one at like zero to ten? Yeah. I mean, I think the math shows us we had a solid five at best. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the number one place for income inequality in the country. Right. Like, I mean, I are there black folks that are doing well here? Sure. Right. Are there many more that aren't? Right. Let me see the stats. I mean, if you're born into poverty in Atlanta, statistically, you're not leaving it. Yeah. Right. So, like, no, nah, I, mean, I can't sit here and say that it's, it's amazing. It's not. Not in that sense. So, how do we, on a political scale, right, how do we leverage that political power, legislate? Because I feel like there's if if it's a pie, if the problem is a pie, we got to break it up, right? We, we have to do two things. We have to set agendas. Right. I, I think... Too many times what happens is that we will elect people and then try to hold them accountable to promises that we never made them make while they were on the campaign trail. Right. Like we have to set an agenda, like with a very clear expectations, you do this or that, right? Like all day. Right. The second part of that, and this is where, you know, people are like, Oh, here they go again. But we actually have to participate and vote. <laughs> like the, the example I use all the time, like why do politicians Always go and talk to old people. Cause they gonna vote. Cause they vote. They gonna get on that bus with that chicken box. And they, they I'm vote. I'm the one that got them on the bus. They, they vote. Mm-hmm. But like just like simply put, old people vote. Right. I don't think politicians just love old people. They, they love voters. Right. There's an expectation set. Like you will see politicians say, "Oh, we can't do that to our seniors," because they know that the seniors will be at the ballot box, right. holding them accountable. Right. It's a very simple way to to disrupt some of this. If politicians understood that people legitimately were going to do something, i.e. fire them, if they don't deliver, mm-hmm. they would do better. But when you look at a lot of the jurisdictions and you see voting rates in the teens consistently, the politicians see that too. Mm-hmm. And they're like, where are my votes? Go, you talk to any politician, you can ask them, what's your, what's your win number? Yeah. Every politician knows. They know their number. They know their number. And they know where they're supposed to go get that number. And if that number doesn't include you, you have a problem. Right. And like most of the time, they're not counting on you. Mm -hmm. Right. So then we get frustrated and it's like, oh, wow, what happened? Like they didn't do this, this, and what were they supposed to do? What did we say? Like right now, right? If we even look, look, you can look locally, you can look nationally, it doesn't matter. What were the things where we drew a line in the sand and said, you deliver this and we're okay. And if you don't, 
we're out. You believe we'll get reparations? One, do you believe in reparations? And do you believe we'll ever get it Absolutely. in our lifetime? Absolutely believe in reparations. And I believe that that has to be a political movement that people are willing to put some, like, you got, we're going to put some stuff on the line to go get it. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's the same formula, though. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, anything can get popular if you think that you're going to get fired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, like, you have to have the, the, you have to have the political, the movement work has to happen. Right. I mean, like, yo, like, it, if you don't think reparations are possible and you're sitting here watching Donald Trump about to win the nomination to become the president of the United States, I, I don't know what, I don't know how you're looking at it. Like, and, like, and honestly, it's possible. But what, I, what I'm trying to tell black people, when, you, when we talk about agenda, I think we get caught up on the agenda. If you understand whole reparations, what it is, that's the agenda. I agree. Whole reparations. Not in, in and I just feel like there has to be more political education on reparation on the mainstream platforms. I agree with that. There are scholars that have wrote books. There are scholars that have wrote papers. There are scholars that have done speeches. But they are not on the platforms where the mainstream people do it. I just feel like us as the people get on that and we can begin to win. Well, we're, we're taught that it's impossible. right? We're taught that like we shouldn't even pursue it because it's an impossible thing to do. Right. Meanwhile, we have a man that has 91 federal counts against him right now and who, who who actively like <laughs> went against the United States government and caused an insurrection. Who tried to kill his vice president. And he owed eighty three million dollars on the sexual case. I mean like like <laughs> said, like all, all, this said stuff. all types of wild things about all types of people and that's possible but we think that reparations isn't. It's a wild so, it's a wild place. That is part of where we have to look at each other again and be like don't let anybody tell us that something can't happen. Like we're we're watching. If you were to go back eight years ago and say, "Hey, so I've got a candidate," imagine you're in the the role of of being a campaign advisor. And so I got a candidate. Yeah. So like you know, once upon a time he did he did have an insurrection. He started one of them, and you know he said all types of vile things about women consistently. He's actually been held responsible. A civil context for sexual assault of a woman. Yeah, you know, on top of that, all types of cases. He's got 91 counts active, right? He ain't settled none of them. They're all still going. And he's going to be the Republican nominee. Imagine going to go tell Bush conservatives that evangelical Bush conservatives in 2000, that that would be the person that would be about to lead the party. People would be like, absolutely not. That's not what we stand for. So we're living that reality. Right. But reparations are impossible. Yeah. And that's how I know. (laughs) I mean, that's how I know they done done a work on us. Because there's people that go against it who would benefit from it. I just just, like we have impossibility as a concept. We have to like start to just phenomenal book. Everybody should read rules for radicals. There's a bunch of things in the book, right? But I firmly believe Republicans do this better than anybody on the left. You argue, Republicans argue outside of their actual position consistently. Mm -hmm. Like, so, and what they do by doing that is they shift where middle is, right? So if you think about it, if if middle is right here and you start arguing out here, you bring middle, middle, middle starts shifting towards you. So they just consistently argue to the outside of the position 
And when we start talking, like, because we think things are impossible, we argue very close to middle and we never shift the center ever. Do you think that's by design? Absolutely. That's why Bernie was so important because he kind of did that to Hillary when he ran. He kind of like any successful social movement, any successful social movement. Another good book, James Cone, The Dream and the Nightmare. You cannot have Martin you know Luther. Jane Cone, boy. Across the literature, but look, dog. The thing that we have to remember about Martin Luther's King dream is that there was a nightmare presented by Malcolm X. It was, an, it was like America saw an alternative. Mm-hmm. Like, like they saw an outside to the position. So I'm not trying to say that that the the dream was was middle ground, right? But that framework of a dream... That version of King was... That version of King was more palatable yeah. than what we were talking about over here. Right. It was actually more palatable than King's actual position right. on most issues. Towards his end, especially yeah. after SNCC student movement, yeah. all them really started pushing him over there. So, and, yeah. and, when, and when he started to talk, start talking, looking at the intersection of race and class, right? Like, then we were like, well, we have a dream. Like, like we, we accept middle ground, though, had shifted right. because the outside position has shifted. If you look right now in our politics, we don't strategically argue that way mm-hmm. at all. So you, you have to argue for reparations if you want to see things like student loans forgiven. Right. Like that, that, that has to almost hurt to a certain extent. You got to start there. It's almost like start high and it, then get everything on the way down. That, that's how some people negotiate. They, they start from the, they, you start from, from an outside position. And again, now the person is all confused. You don't know where to. Right. Everybody's been in that type of discussion before where it's like, you think, it, you think middle is here and somebody comes with the, and you're like, Oh, I don't even, I don't even know how to counter. Yeah. Yeah. That's because what they really have done. Like, and if you do counter, Man, I can't. I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't start where I was going to start. They just said they started all the way up there. They started. With, so let me. Let so me, black people, let's jump. Yeah, I better start. Put it up. You have to argue to the outside of your position sometimes strategically. That's yeah. just that's just where we're at politically. So in Atlanta, to go back to your question, there we have to argue. I don't think this is like a fake thing. We have to legitimately look each other in the eye and say that black folks in this city that have been here for a really long time have to be able to stay and live and prosper and thrive in the city. Mm. Full stop. And like, we're not going to accept any other version of the city that doesn't, where that statement is not true. Cause it ain't now. Half these mm-hmm. niggas that be in Atlanta politics don't live in Atlanta. Half the people in Atlanta proper cause they can't afford to. I'm, but see, but the thing is though too, we're not, we're not forcing a conversation. What I just said right there, that is not a part of our popular discourse in the city. We don't we don't sit there and just say like folks like this the line like the absolute folks that live in Vine City and English Avenue have to benefit from all of the development that's happened all the way around them and they're not and they're not and that's not and then mm-hmm. the, the, that's not acceptable right. right I don't want to live in a city where the people who have lived for generations in many cases in a neighborhood can't live there because when we've now decided that that neighborhood is hot. And we, that's not our Atlanta. That's not going to be the way that this city moves until enough people just are, are playing about it that way. Yeah. The shenanigans, the shenanigans will continue. I agree. So, I agree. So, so I mean, Ryan, I've enjoyed the conversation, bro. All right. Are you going to invite me back? Can I come back? You know yeah. what? This is good. So, what's so great you said that 
it's up to you. It's up to your business too. For you know, I'm tired on this podcast. We talk about everything, but we typically bring it back to our slogan. We create content that pushes the culture forward. Yeah. That's the conversation we having. All of February, we're trying to flood the internet with real black love stories. I would love to sit down with you and your wife. That'd be the first time ever. You know, we've never done interview. I know. We've never I would, done interview. I would All love. Right. I would love to bring y'all up here All right, and have up. her story. Yeah, because because you really got me thinking. Like, because you always hear the opposite. Mm-hmm. You cannot build in a relationship. Country Wayne just said that on his interview mm-hmm. with uh, Close Shay Shay. He said that's why he's not in a relationship because he cannot build his business. In a relationship, your wife got the formula, man. Yeah, go look at go. I believe in doing this just generally. Go look at the biographies of people that you respect mm-hmm. and see what they did, yeah. Yeah. and and just do a tally. Like, I, I don't, it is very hard to build an isolation, yeah. So I, I like with respect to my man. I just like yeah, yeah. it's going to be hard for you to find a bunch of examples where you didn't have partnership. Now, I don't know what he's saying in a relationship, or if you talking about, I don't know what he what that version is for him. Mm-hmm. But I would be very surprised if you could go through his whole story, and there haven't been women there along the way. Like I, I don't believe that he's right. been able to accomplish what he's accomplished without without, without amazing women. Like, come on, man! Yeah. Amazing women have held you down. Yeah. Like, and like. Again, I'm Stop not saying. Stop the cap, country way. No, nah, I mean, I, I know, I know that yeah. that's, that's everybody's story. Like, black men? Yeah. Man, yeah. ain't no, I ain't seen a black man that, like. That ain't got a meal. Yeah. That ain't had a ride. Bro, I just heard. I, I don't know a black man that ain't had a black trash bag. And a sister house. Listen, Gail King said she was dating a brother and the brother asked for some child support money. If Gail <laughs> King. It's just hard. It's hard to find successful black men. That's why I want to have this. He paid it back, though. He paid it back. But that's why I want to have this all February long. Yeah, we just couples, young, old, and we putting that narrative out because the the narrative out here. Let me just be real. I talk a lot of shit, but I understand the key to black people winning in our community is the family. It's the family, and we ain't gonna. And we're not gonna do that until we get this relationship right. Yeah. And right now, what we getting is a whole bunch of toxic opinions, uh, lack of accountability, uh, wrong cultural direction when it comes to our love. I agree because I think a lot of the, especially over the last couple of years, it's a lot of men talking to men about like we need to listen to the women in our community, mm-hmm. like like actually listen. Right, like if you look at all the all the content that's got hot over the last couple of years, it's normally dudes with it's dudes. It's a little bit of both, but I agree though. I Man, there's a lot of dudes with dudes talking about dudes from a very like male perspective the whole time. Right. It very rarely is just like, hey, what is your perspective on like, you know? I I, I think if we were to actually have that conversation and just accept certain facts, yeah. right? Black women drive everything in black culture, in the black family, in black life. Right. It's just like it's the truth. It is. So, okay, if you start there, the idea that you think that you can be successful without the foundation of our community being present in your life, I, yeah. I ain't seen it. Look at that. Hey. We're dropping gems on this thing. He's dropping gems. <laughs> it's the truth. I mean, like... And like, you sound like that, Umar Johnson. No, but there, there, there's there's black there's black dudes that will say they'll be like, yeah, black women are the are the are the source, and then everything else that comes out their mouth after that doesn't acknowledge that core fact. <laughs> it's crazy. Like it's the truth. Black women drive everything. 
They, they, they outpace us in nearly everything that you want to measure. And we should sit and like really just be <laughs> very plain about the fact that that one is the truth. And two, that like we should be very proud of the fact that our sisters lead in that way mm. and stop sitting around with each other trying to act like that. That's not what's happening. Cause like that is, that is not only what's happening right now, that is what historically has happened. Right. Mm-hmm. So, which? Yeah. So you gonna bring the missus on? You gotta <laughs> ask her first. You know what I'm saying? I ask her. I'm sure. I mean, we'll see. What's her name? Cassandra. Miss Cassandra Wilson. Mrs. Cassandra Wilson. Can you please come on and tell these sisters how you help build this empire in this <laughs> black man? Can you please? We'd love to have you on the podcast. I'm like, I'm bad. Can you clip that? I'm yeah. sending it to me. Yeah. 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 I'm gotcha. clipping. I'm giving TKs out. But look, anything you want to tell people, you know, how to find you, what to do, join membership, what you want to tell them? Uh, I got two things. One, I appreciate you and everybody for the support of TGS. That's not something I take lightly. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, we all put ideas on the world. They're not guaranteed to go anywhere. So, like, I genuinely appreciate everybody. <laughs> you've been a member. If you've attended an event, if you've just, like, given us a like on Instagram, like, I appreciate you. Seriously. Like, it didn't have to be that way. And, I like, I know that. Um, we're in a critical season right now. We're rebuilding. Mm-hmm. It's tough. So, if there's any way that you'd like to engage with us, we would like to engage with you. I mean, it's a serious time. Right? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I ain't working like this since we started. Right. Because, you know, we got we have some work to do. We got to we got to rebuild um, aspects of the company. So if you're interested, you want to host an event, whatever, whatever the thing is, like hit us up. We're um, we're back in business in a serious way. I'm easy to find the gathering spots on our platform. I'm spot on RW on most stuff. Ain't hard to find. You're back independent. Right. So. Fully. So, like, yeah. Fully. Yeah. Fully. You gotta support that. You gotta support that. Well, I ain't bring my, I ain't bring my chain, but like, it's true. Yeah. Gotta support that. Gotta support that. That's my next time. I'm like, chain. Yeah, you know, you know, things are back. Things are like, it'll be like that 2019 where I come with the, that's the second version yeah, of the Gucci coat. Yeah, that, yeah. When I, when I come, yeah, that, that's messed up. That's messed up. I gotta go. That's crazy. <laughs> hey, we say it every week, man. We love y'all. We need y'all. But most importantly, we can't wait to see y'all next week. Thank you for tuning in to the Jess Eldridge podcast. I'm trying to hit it real now Hit perspective, we only keep it real now Every day we on the grind Sometimes it's hard to tune out the outside Kick it back, kick it back, kick it back